0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience. This is Maurice Selby, MD. My name is Reed.
1: My name is Anastasia.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the one and only Health in Harlem on WHCR, 90.3 FM New York, The Voice of Harlem and the Health in Harlem podcast. And we're going to change it up, take a COVID break, and we're going to talk about some resistance training. Last year, you all might remember we had Dr. Richard Kaminsky, Kaminsky from Ball State University joined us to talk about the importance of cardiorespiratory fitness, and we really spent a lot of that time talking about aerobic exercise, but today we're going to flip it and really talk about why we all need to seriously consider engaging in some resistance training. Um, so a very important show, and I'm hoping that we, we can get really get you pumped up you like that, right? You like the pun. Pumped up about some resistance training. I know I'm so corny, man, but uh, I sure. just want to get um, get everybody excited about that.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is coming at actually like a really great time for me because I've just been like the other day, I was like, I need to make a, a little resistance training routine and stick to it and work on yeah. that. So yeah, this is great for me. I'm, I'm ready. I'm up. willing. Uh, you'll see a transformation. Give me a That's couple months, I'll be up. ripped.
0: I'm, oh, I'm excited to see that. We got to post some before and after pics on the on the uh, <laughs> Health in Harlem social media sites. No, but seriously, man, this is like really, really important. Um, before we get into it, though, I do want to do our sort of new addition to the program, airing it out. And okay. I got I got some things. I don't know if you guys want to go first, Reed. You had something. Um,
2: so the concept, yeah, real fast. Not- the,
0: the concept for air it out, ladies and gentlemen. Right? Is there's a lot of nastiness out there. Um, When we talk about the media landscape and especially when we talk about what's online, right? We've been talking about this week after week on the program, the misinformation, the disinformation out there. And uh, yeah, it's polluting everything, right? Polluting um, all of our media streams, everything that we sort of look around us as far as getting information, right? It is a dirty information landscape. And so what we're trying to do is air it out, right? Just We are going to directly confront some of these things that we encounter or at least that are reported to us um, on Health in Harlem or that we see ourselves and really confront those things. So we can air it out and let, you know, sort of get it out there about the nonsense and really um, bring some truth to the discussion. Mm -hmm. And so, Reed, you got something it sounds like.
2: Yeah, it's somewhat along those lines, kind of a related topic, but not fully like some inf- misinformation that we're airing out. Um, but recently I think yesterday, uh, YouTube said that it would remove all videos, uh, about vaccine in- misinformation. Um, and they'd already done that about COVID-19 vaccines, but now they're extending that to all vaccines, including those against measles, hepatitis B, etc. Um, And Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are huge sources of vaccine misinformation for a lot of people. Um, And YouTube has historically been kind of like a little bit more lax than the other uh, social media platforms. But this is a a really big and important step because most of the other vaccine misinformation on other platforms is actually shared YouTube videos about vaccine misinformation. Um, So they're really stepping up their work. They're uh, banning the accounts of several prominent anti-vaccine activists, um, and they're removing all videos that uh, claim the vaccines do not reduce rates of transmission or contraction of disease. Mm -hmm. Um, Stuff that includes misinformation about what's actually in the vaccines, um, about vaccines causing autism, cancer, infertility, containing trackers, etc., um, so yeah, this is, this is a really great step in, uh, combating vaccine misinformation for sure.
0: All right. And, uh, I got something too, you know, this was actually brought to my attention by Christine, uh, my wife. And, um, I was just asking her what if I feel so lame actually, because one thing I maybe could do better is, uh, sort of find this stuff, right? This bad information that's out there. Um, but one thing too that discourages me from doing that because that's exactly what we preach against on health in Harlem, right? Um, is <laughs> not seeking out or going down these rabbit holes that um, will lead you to that false information. But I think as a professional who is sort of engaged in this work and trying to address this, that's what I have to do. So I'm going to do it. But Christine got me on a good uh, tip the other day. And there might be individuals, of course, out there familiar with Buju Banton, Mark Anthony Myrie, the reggae superstar of the world, um, actually posted to his Instagram account. This is a picture, and I'm not sure where this came from. Of course, I don't think he elaborated much on where it came from, uh, but it was a post, and they had a number of viruses. Now, I hate right putting this out there because people might go to it and and appreciate it. For this is false right? because looking at it, It was just a bunch of virus names, Ebola. They had, I think, the original SARS up there, Zika. And then on top of them, they had the names of various corporate entities, research institutions, um, actually pretty pretty reputable ones. And then next to it, what looked like uh, numbers for patents. So essentially, right, suggesting that this was a man-made thing, people are sort of doing this for profiteering. There was... (laughs) A big backlash. Actually, and one thing I was actually happy to see was that there were a lot of fans, right? Fans like, "Look, wh- how I booed you? How could you do this? Why are you putting this out there? This is nonsense, right?" He actually got mm-hmm. called out um, by a lot of in- individuals. You actually, of course, had some people that were, you know, totally up with him and and sort of buying into this conspiracy theory. Um, but you definitely had a good amount of people, um, a significant number of people that were calling them out on this. That's one thing that I was really happy to see. Uh, but then also there was one person too, that was like, look, I work in patents and these are not patent numbers. I don't know what you're referencing. Right. So literally calling them out and just, just showing it, this is false ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but one thing I wanted to throw out there too, is that, so let's say, right. We want to go on that uh, conspiracy theory adventure. You know, it's entertaining as hell. I'm not going to front, right. sounds like we all live in a movie, which is dope. Um, but, The recommendation still won't change, even if this was unleashed (laughs) by some uh, profiteering mad person or institution or agency, corporate entity, whatever. The recommendations don't change, right? We're still talking about a droplet, primarily droplet spread, occasionally aerosolized uh, infectious entity that is out there, aka, right, SARS-CoV-2, the cause of COVID-19, And so we still need to mask up. We still need to employ social distancing. Uh, And the vaccines are still extraordinarily effective. And yes, they were developed by corporate entities. um, But one thing I will tell you, the damn things work. And so it still wouldn't change what needs to happen now. Right. If this was unleashed by some uh, madman or mad person or mad agency, whatever you want to say, the story, (laughs) if this is the movie, well, guess what? The movie should end now. It should be over. Because if we get vaccinated and wear masks, we'll be done with it and we can move on and move on to the next interesting uh, tale, international fiasco, whatever, that is on the horizon. Uh, so really, that's that's all I had to I just wanted to air that out, right? One is false, it's nonsense. Uh, but if you really want to go that route, well, guess what? The recommendations are still the same. <laughs> that's the funny part about it is like you can say all of this stuff you want, but we still need to mask up. And if anything, they put the vaccines out there, right? The conspiracy uh, folks or the folks that conspired to unleash this on the world. Well, guess what? We got to buy the vaccines, but you don't even have to buy the vaccine. It's free for you. <laughs> if you want it, you <laughs> can go and get it. So nobody's profiting off of you. But anyway, I'm not even going to engage that anymore because it's not true. Ladies and gentlemen, um, and the recommendations again, have not changed. We are still, um, <laughs> we still got a mask up. We still need to get vaccinated period. Let's move on.com. And now we're going to get into our topic of the day, the revolution in resistance training. And when we look at it today, we have about half of American adults, 117 million people have one or more chronic preventable chronic diseases. Seven out of the 10 most chronic diseases are favorably influenced by regular physical Activity, right? This is nothing new. We talked about this. Remember, we had Dr. Kaminsky on last year. Um, we talked about right the fact that eighty percent of adults are not really meeting the key guidelines for aerobic and muscle strengthening um, activity. And while only about half meet the key guidelines for aerobic physical activity, there's a lack. This lack of physical activity is linked to approximately one hundred seventeen billion in annual healthcare costs and about ten percent of premature mortality. So people are dying because they're Mm -hmm. on their bottoms, right? Um, Sedentary for a good amount of of time. And this is something that's backed, right, from the highest levels of government. And that's because the science shows that this is beneficial for us. And according to the Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans, the second edition, which was released in 2018, adults should do at least 150 minutes. two two and a half hours to 300 minutes AKA five hours of moderate intensity activity um, each week, right? In order to achieve substantial health benefits. If you ratchet it up a little bit, and let's say you get vigorous with that activity, you can cut it down to 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous activity each week in order to achieve those benefits. And any additional, right, um, activity after that 300 minutes, that upper, sort of limit you can actually achieve even more health benefits right you can really really improve your sort of long-term outlook when it comes to your overall health yeah with that
2: and this is a condition that's uh solvable regardless of your race ethnicity age uh gender etc this is a cure all for all i would say
0: And that's what everybody is looking for out there, right? It's not the ivermectin. It is not the megavitamins that are on shelves or supplements. um, It's really just getting up and moving. But one thing that has been sort of the tradition uh, up to pretty recently over the last couple of decades, right, is that aerobic activity was sort of looked at as the favorable type of exercise to achieve such benefits, right? So that was um, what we talked about last year in terms of cardiorespiratory fil- fitness or getting that VO2 max up, right? Basically how well your body consumes and utilizes oxygen um, during any physical activity, right? Getting that up was sort of deemed and still is, right, deemed to be what gets us to that point. Where we have these benefits in our health um, when it comes to even preventing these chronic diseases, Uh, But one thing that has really been coming to light is that there are real benefits with resistance training, right? And resistance training, we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, lifting some weight, right? Pushing or pulling Mm -hmm. things, um, whether it's your body weight, using your body weight to achieve that, or actually lifting weights, AKA pumping iron, um, whatever you want to call it. I know that's, I'm going way back. Getting those gains. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, getting those (laughs) gains. Um, getting that that fit bod for the summer, but really, there's real benefits with that, and we're not just talking about the superficial stuff and, and looking great, right? You can definitely achieve some aesthetic benefits um, with that. Getting more chiseled, getting more lean, mm-hmm. um, getting that six pack showing, whatever it may be. But no, there are real physiologic changes that are ch- taking place in the body with that activity that turn into tangible benefits. Um, not only down the line, but even in the short term as well, as far as real health benefits that are achieved with that. And so that's the case that we're making on this program today is that we need to incorporate this into our fitness routines, right? Just as we need to get out there. And this is something I've been doing right over the last uh, year and change now where I've been getting that respiratory fitness up and VO2 max, at least according to my watch had been going up. Everything's looking great. And feeling great. And then I started reading all of these articles like, wait, I need to do more resistance training. Maurice Donovan Selby is 37 years old. After 30, <laughs> we know that the muscle mass starts to drop off between three to 8% per year, right? Um, and, after, wow. and after the age of 30. And so I looked at it, I was like, yo, hold up. And my daughters are going to be bringing guys into my <laughs> no, <laughs> we, I was like, no, 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 I got to get, I got to get pumped up. Uh, to be ready for this. But no, also I thought about it in terms of, I need to be right in terms of achieving the best, um, health outcomes in the future. Resistance training needs to be something that is incorporated into my workout routines and fitness routines.
2: I would even argue that it's resistance training and exercise in general is equally important for both your physical health and your mental health, uh, the cascading effects of of working out and exercising really does increase your self worth, releases a lot of endorphins, um, can help a lot with anxiety and depression. It is incredibly important, uh, not just physically, but absolutely for mental health.
1: You can tell who goes to the gym out of the three of us here. Who goes <laughs> to the gym? <laughs> it's Reed.
0: Oh, no. yeah, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, I was about to Very. say, I don't go to the gym. I'm, I'm too scared with COVID right Not now. Not as much as I, I should. Still-
1: I, I do have to note, though, regarding, um, you know, actually going to the gym. I recently found out, and I sent this to Reed, actually, that mm-hmm. the New York City Parks and Recreations is uh, giving free memberships away um, if you register before the end of the year.
2: December, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's usually if you're under 25, it's free. And if you're 25 and older, it's like a hundred something dollars. I'm not quite a hundred percent confident in the numbers. I'm going to say it's a hundred something because that's what I paid. Um, But right now on their website, they are saying that it's free. So if you are looking to actually start doing any sort of resistance training, then that might be a place that you can start.
2: Mm. Absolutely. Check out the uh, recreation center membership on nycgovparks.org. Thanks, (laughs)
1: Thanks, Reid.
0: <laughs> and take advantage of that ladies and gentlemen that right there is a godsend um mm-hmm. and exactly what we what we're sort of advocating on this program right now. Uh, and I one think thing it's that's important,
2: yes. Mm-hmm. I, I also think it's important to mention, you know, the fact that it's free and you know, the importance of that cuz if you have a go- if you are a government or a city government or whatever, if you are able to save one hundred seventeen billion dollars in healthcare costs just by convincing your citizens to work out, I would put free gyms everywhere.
0: Word. Well, that's and that's part of the put. Right. Because we, we look around us, especially when we look at what happened in New York City over the last uh, 20, 30 years. Right. With the increase in the amount of recreational spaces, the amount of spaces for people to safely walk around and congregate, be outside, be active. Um, that is that was for a reason and that is because as Reed said right the government realized that there are real benefits for people by giving them spaces to be active right um, the health benefits that are achieved from that the benefits in productivity right you have people that are out there being physically active um, so not only are they more fit but they're less likely to Believe it or not, right, through physical activity, you are less likely to to become injured, especially when you're engaging in that Mm -hmm. activity um, in a safe manner. Uh, You are less likely to develop chronic diseases. Um, Therefore, you can work longer. You can provide for your family longer. And ultimately, you can pay more taxes. (laughs) You're a more productive citizen (laughs) and less likely to become a, a, not a liability, but um, when it comes to right developing chronic illnesses, especially when we talk about disability, a lot of those things that that, or a lot of the services that that fund that are um, that fund those services, um, a lot of that comes from the government, right? And so that's what we're talking about. That 117 billion that's being that can be saved by preventing chronic diseases. That's where the government really looks at this and say, well, this is an investment that is worthy, right? We need to make this investment. Mm-hmm in recreational spaces because we need people out there being more physically active. But when we talk about actual resistance training, what's interesting is that one thing that is noted in those physical activity guidelines, right? This is from the Department of Health and Human Services. So from the top levels of government, as we said, the federal government is saying this. One thing that is noted is that physical activity, right? Strength training across the lifespan is important, and they recommend that. So for children ages 6 to 17 years of age, they should do 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity daily. Most of the 60 minutes should be moderate to vigorous aerobic exercise. Um, But also they do uh, recommend muscle and bone strengthening exercises being included at least three days a week. When we look at older adults, the recommendations Um, talk about multi-component physical activity that includes um, addressing or doing exercises, right? Dealing with balance, um, both aerobic and muscle strengthening exercises. And uh, even we talk about um, pregnant women, well, one thing they said was really focus on the aerobic activity um, or aerobic exercises, but even pregnant women, the guidelines recommend that pregnant and postpartum women be physically active, right? So, this is across the lifespan um, and something that has really changed in recent years because we always thought it was, hey, as we get older, we're just going to sort of chill out and not as capable as doing these type of exercises, especially resistance training, right, and strengthening those muscles and bones. But no, the recommendations now are that everybody should be doing this in some way, shape, or form, Um, because the benefits are so vast. They're so great. um, When we talk about um, health, living a healthy life across the entire lifespan.
1: I can attest to this. My father was like a professional athlete and he's still uh, very, very healthy (laughs) at borderline retirement age. So it's like, I do not want to take him on and I'm young. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. That's Dude can lift like fifty pounds from the floor with like one hand. I can't do that. Like that's what's up. So um, I can attest to what Doctor Selby said. Even though my sample size is really small, which is my dad, um, it's true. It's true. You do the resistance training, it will stick with you for a long time, and it'll make you do things that maybe other people cannot do.
0: So that's why I want to be like your your dad, right? Um, and and one thing that we that has changed. Right. As we said, traditionally, aerobic training was equated with better health outcomes and was emphasized in relation to resistance training. And resistance training was just essentially for the bodybuilders, the meatheads. You saw the um, pumping iron videos, right? The documentary from I think it was the 70s with Arnold Schwarzenegger. and. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: That's what I was going to say. And the guy.
0: I know. And uh was. Oh, my goodness. I'm bite blanking on his name. The Hulk. Um, anyway, mm. right. This was sort of
2: oh Ron, Ron, something, uh, right.
0: I feel like Googling this right now, but anyway, the, the whole point, right. That's who, that's who resistant training was really reserved for. Either you were like a power lifter or you were a bodybuilder. Maybe you had a couple of meatheads in football, of course, right. You had some big linemen and stuff. You had to have a good amount of size and strength on you linebackers and stuff. Um, but that's who it was re- reserved for. Um, Other than that, if you just talked about exercising and being physically active for your long-term health, it was always thought that, hey, just focus on the aerobic activity, right? Building up that VO2 max, that cardiorespiratory fitness, Um, but that has changed. And that's one, one reason for that change is because we've learned a lot more about muscle, right? Muscle, if we were to zoom in and sort of figure out why these changes, right? These physiologic changes that lead to better health outcomes in the future, right? What is happening with muscle that this resistance training is so important? Uh, And and essentially, if we look at muscle in our body, we have two types, right? We have smooth muscle. Um, We see that in a lot of our organs. Um, So let's say the lungs, for instance, has smooth muscle that can open right? Your airways, they can either uh, constrict down or they can even open up and allow more air passing into your lungs. We also have it um, in other parts of our body, such as our intestines, right? Facilitating our digestion of food. Um, Even as high up in our esophagus, there are portions of our esophagus that have smooth muscle. And what's interesting about that is we don't have control of it. Those are sort of automatic, right? Muscular contractions taking place in that smooth muscle. Not really what we're engaging and working on. We talk about resistance training. But then we have striated muscle, aka skeletal muscle, which is when we talk about pumping iron, we talk about looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? And thinking of the big bulging muscles, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about skeletal muscle. And one thing that we've learned about skeletal muscle is that not only is it big, right? It's big. It can be pretty powerful. It can allow us uh, allow locomotion or things like walking, right? It can help us physically engage our environment and manipulate things um, with our uh, with those muscular contractions. Uh, but it is very metabolically active as well. Mm-hmm. And so, aside from um, allowing us to do all of these things physically in our environment, um, it is mainly the primary source of glucose and triglyceride metabolism and disposal, right? And when we look at that, then we begin to understand that, right? Why things such as sarcopenia, so sarcopenia is essentially a loss of muscle mass, right? This is a a loss of muscle tissue, sarcopenia. And this could be seen as kind of a disease state, right? As Essentially, by losing muscle, we begin to lose the ability to efficiently metabolize glucose and fats. And if anybody knows, listening to Health in Harlem each and every week, right, um, we know that the loss of right metabolic rates or um, our metabolic efficiency, and if we have the accumulation of fat and glucose, it only leads to problems ladies and gentlemen problems such as metabolic syndrome um insulin resistance right hyperglycemia or elevated blood glucose ultimately leading to diabetes and we've talked about this each and every (laughs) almost each and every week right diabetes Mm -hmm. being a precursor to cardiovascular disease and many other just sort of systemic problems kidney disease disease, strokes right Mm -hmm. um all of these things, high blood pressure, all of these things that can really impact our health. Um, and especially when we talk about the leading killer of Americans um, it, way before COVID read its ugly head. Right. Heart disease being the leader, ki- leading killer of people um, pretty much around the world. Right. That is. Still is the even with COVID. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so this is why resistance training becomes so important because essentially not only are we building up that muscle, but we're also building up our metabolic rate um, through this physical activity, this particular physical activity.
2: Think of it like gingivitis of the gums, the the cure to that. Well, the cure to preventing that is flossing. And so same with uh, sarcopenia and loss of muscle and getting older and all those other cascading diseases from there. It's a disease, and the cure to that—not flossing, but exercising.
1: That is—that <laughs> was an interesting like comparison, right there. I applaud I've you for stepping you at my up my
0: flossing game lately. So it's on oh, my. Oh, I see.
1: That's
0: what's up. Mm-hmm. But it's all about maintenance, right? Because one thing that hit me, and again, this was sort of as I was making this transition. I mean, I think I was always a decently active person, uh, but I made it a. A point, and you probably heard me last year. I wish I was able to do it this year, but last year at the opening of the episode with um, Dr. Kaminsky, right, talking about cardiorespiratory fitness, I was running up the hill and sort of talking about mm-hmm. the challenges. in. You recorded engaging. yourself running, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was <laughs> dope, it was fun. Um, you know, definitely hard work, but but one thing, um, that like I said, I made this a priority was because of the long-term health outcomes, right? And I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, you know, I want to be able to run until I'm 70 or 80, maybe even past that. Or at some point, right, in my life, being able to even just walk, right? <laughs> it's maybe like, all right, I ran yeah. all of those years, now I'm just going to walk. But I would still have the ability to walk, right, and and get that exercise just walking because I have built a solid foundation running for so many years right? To be able to have that ability and not be um, disabled because of um, sedentism or because of being more sedentary, right? That was my goal. But then looking at the literature and learning that muscle mass declines between three and 8% each decade after 30 years of age, right? So that's 0.2 kilograms of lean mass or weight loss per year. And after age 50, muscle loss increases, right? Between five to ten percent each decade after fifty years of age, um, and then when we go back and think about what we've talked about up to this point, and that the muscle is a very medical, metabolically active organ, right? Um, especially skeletal muscle throughout the body, there is a lot of energy that is consumed by muscle, as there is constant protein breakdown and synthesis occurring in our musculature. And this is where a lot of the energy expenditure is put toward resting muscle. So the thing is, right, A key concept is not when you're uh, running around active. We all know you're going to burn calories, right? When you are physically active, even going to the grocery store, you walk to the grocery store, your heart rate gets up a little, you're burning more calories. Um, if you are running for a few miles or biking for a few miles, playing with your grandkids, Right, you're gonna burn more calories. But when you have more muscle mass, even when you're at rest, when you're dropping your daughter off, like Maurice Donovan Selby th- driving 30 minutes back and forth, right, in the car, um, dropping off my daughter, I'm still metabolically active. Why? Right, I'm not running at that time, right? I'm pretty stationary, just driving. <laughs> like if you think about it, I'm just sitting there driving. Uh, but my muscles are still active. If I got a workout in, right, um, especially, we're going to talk about this, then you're even more active. And that's because, as we said, muscle mass is a metabolically active organ, right? It is constantly active. Um, And one of the, the main things that it does, again, is that it is crucial in glucose and fatty acid metabolism in our bodies. And so the, essentially, the more muscle you have, the more metabolically active you will be. And so that's where, especially as we begin to age more, that's why it is more critical to really try to get this type of training in, uh, because if we don't, we're going to see our metabolism gradually right, go down um, as we get older because of that loss of muscle mass.
1: And then we can't eat our favorite foods all the time. We
0: can't eat our favorite foods all the time. <laughs> That's part of it, man. So, but the good news in all of this, right, because um, as we said, right, this decline in muscle tissue, right, which muscle tissue makes up about 40% of the total body weight and it influences a variety of metabolic risk factors, such as obesity, dyslipidemia, type 2 diabetes, all of these being risk factors for cardiovascular disease. The good news is that this can be reversed. Right. This can be totally reverse. And our loss of muscle mass and the metabolic consequences of that, that does not have to happen. Right. This is the empowering phase, ladies and gentlemen. So we ha- we informed you of the depressing phase, which Maurice does, Donovan Selby is in right now. And that I know my muscle tissue <laughs> is gradually uh, sort of wasting away. Uh, But the good news is that I can do something about that, right? I can do something right after this program, right after we're finished recording, Maurice Donovan Selby can go and do something to reverse this sort of natural consequence of aging. And there are many studies that demonstrate that brief sessions of resistance training can increase muscle mass, right? We're talking over the course of just two to three days, non-consecutive days per week, we can actually see real gains right? Those gains that everybody's talking about, not just the beach body gains, but we're talking about that metabolically active tissue, right? That muscle mass being built up with just a few days of week of resistance training, we can reverse all of these changes that are taking place in our bodies. And this is true amongst all adults, right? Of all ages through the 10th decade of life. So even if you're in your 80s, 90s, right? This is uh, something that is true for pretty much everyone walking the planet that is living right now. Um, and in one large representative study of greater than 1600 adults between the ages of 21 and 80, it showed a mean lean weight increase of 1.4 kilograms after 10 weeks of resistance training, incorporating about 12 total exercises per session. um, And 12 sets of exercise per session, right? So we're talking about Mm -hmm. maybe if you were doing a few muscle groups, just a couple of sets, about three sets per muscle group, if you did four exercises, um, you could see these real benefits um, over that time. And this is stuff that is evenly spaced, right? This is not um, working out for two hours straight, sweating in somebody's gym. Um, This is something that is very, very manageable. Yeah. So what are the benefits of building muscle? What are the benefits of resistance training? Well, essentially we get to rev up our resting metabolism metabolism right and this essentially this uh, stimulated increase in protein turnover because our muscles right are so metabolically active this leads to a double whammy effect on our metabolic rate. and so we said before, right? We have both short-term and long-term benefits of this. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think one thing that that really happens, and correct me if, if the, or tell me if this has happened to you guys, but like you go right and work out um in the gym, and maybe you'll get that little bit of a pump and you go to the mirror and you're like, yo, I see, oh man, I see the results, right? And then you go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you go away later or come back the next day, you're like, yo, it's gone. Like you don't notice, or you don't see a pump at all sometimes, right? And it seems like just sort of wasted energy, right? Nothing really Mm -hmm. happened. Um, But at the molecular level, there are definitely changes that take place. And when we talk about the short-term effects, we're talking about resistance training leading to this microtrauma in the muscles. Um, Microtrauma being that, right, certain proteins um, in that muscle tissue as you're doing this training so if you did push-ups or you did some pull-ups or maybe um you did some squats squats there's a lot of muscle tissue right a lot of mass in our leg muscles um, and so we're breaking down that muscle at the microscopic level essentially um essentially tearing that muscle right you've even heard some uh, mm-hmm. fitness personalities talking about tearing the muscle right you're you're Really exercising the muscles and leading to this micro trauma that your body then has to build back up. And again, we talked about that protein turnover, right? That constant degradation of proteins and synthesis of proteins. Well, in order to repair that damage, your body needs to use more energy, right? It is going to burn more calories in order to repair that muscle tissue. And so, in the short term, they've actually seen effects of this lasting up to 72 hours. So three days after you pumped iron, right? This is why Maurice going to pick up his daughter for 30 minutes after having worked out, (laughs) you know, that day or even the day before or the day before that, I'm still metabolically active, right? Because of that Mm -hmm. workout. So for up to 72 hours, you still have that increase or that boost in metabolism at the microscopic level, um, in your muscle tissue. So even if you don't see that big pump, um, even if you, you might not even feel as sore, right. If you've been doing this for a while, but your body still achieves those benefits, um, through that increased metabolism in the short term. Mm -hmm. And if we talk about the long-term changes over time, right. The increased muscle mass that you build, right. So that constant micro trauma, that you're, doing with each time that you engage engage in this resistance training, right? Over time, as your muscles repair that damage, you have muscle hypertrophy. So, your muscles grow larger. You build more muscle mass. And over time, this increased muscle mass leads to a higher resting metabolic rate due to the demands of the ongoing tissue maintenance. Remember, the muscle is constantly breaking itself down, right? And rebuilding itself. And the more muscle tissue you have, like this, the higher the metabolic rate is going to be, um, and therefore, you have a higher resting metabolism as a result.
1: This also leads to you eating more. (laughs) I I keep bringing up food, but it's it's actually part of the thing, right? Like, you start working Mm -hmm. out and you do resistance training, you have to start fueling your body efficiently in order to maintain, like, you know, the muscle mass buildup, the recovery period after you work out. Um, So, it goes hand in hand. We're talking about increasing our resting metabolism, but you know, you faster metabolism faster you get hungry. So you need to make sure you're also eating right because as we're talking about, you know, we keep mentioning protein, so we can't just eat junk food as we're working out. So it goes hand in mm. hand. But, yeah, um, but
2: not just that, it cascades to all parts of your life. You're you're eating hopefully healthier, but you're also eating more. Um, you need to sleep. A lot better. You're probably increasing your your quality of sleep. Um, and it's important for your muscle repair to get at least eight hours of sleep after you exercise. Uh, yeah, it just cascades into all sorts of all aspects of your life, I feel.
0: Yes. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Anastasia, because I feel like you're kind of liberated, right? And, and as much as it can be mm. to follow a routine, right, to exercise regularly and to take time out of your day and busy schedule um, to do this, you can be rewarded, right? One, um, and we, we talked about those long-term benefits, right? That's stuff that we really can't put our finger on. Um, although we know that it's probably going to lead to some substantial health benefits, right? To say that that is always the reason why I'm working out, not only, but one thing I know I can do, right? Because I know I've had that boost in my metabolic rate, um, which we know, right? There is evidence, ladies and gentlemen, that this, these significant increases in resting metabolic rate can last several weeks right um, can really boost your metabolism. We're talking like seven percent right after several several weeks of engaging in this type of activity. and so I know that I can enjoy ice cream um, and not feel as guilty about it. I can enjoy um, a burger because <laughs> I know that that protein is going to be put to good use right and building more muscle mass. Um, there are a certain leeway that I can allow in my diet, right, going forward. Um, that if I were more sedentary, I'd have to worry more about, right, because those calories, um, in addition to my those extra calories, in addition to my sedentary habits, right, would only accumulate in more adipose tissue, right, or fat tissue and higher sort of um, glucose levels because of that loss of muscle mass. Whereas by building this and focusing on, again, this resistance training, um, I would have more leeway to enjoy more things. right? So that's that's one way that I, I really like to look at it. Um, and when we talk about these changes that are taking place in our bodies, uh, that it allow us to really right, feel comfortable out of, about enjoying these things is we see a reduction in body fat. And this is a big deal uh, because we're not just talking about Body fat um, externally, or the flabbiness that might be on somebody, those—that's all. That's like the cherry on top, right? As far as the aesthetic changes that take place. But what we're talking about is reduction in body fat, and especially when we talk about central adiposity, this, or uh, uh, and even visceral fat, this fat that can accumulate um, not on the surface of the body, but around, in, and around our internal organs, right? That we know is a precursor to developing things like insulin resistance, dyslipidemia, right? Or high um, fat levels in the blood, triglyceride levels um, in the blood. Um, The bad cholesterol, LDL cholesterol sort of increasing in our bloodstream, right? These are the things that we're worried about when we talk about this body fat. This visceral fat can be burned almost literally if you think about it through the increase in muscle mass. So we have a reduction in body fat. We also have the improvement in our risks for developing type 2 diabetes. Um, And one thing that we know is linked to this increase in adiposity or in that fatty tissue is that insulin resistance is associated with right? This visceral fat accumulation that takes place. And so insulin resistance, right? The insulin in our bloodstream not working as well in using, right? Glucose, our primary fuel. And because of that, the glucose levels can begin to rise over time, ultimately leading to individuals having type two diabetes um, and really just having all of the fallout from that, including the cardiovascular Um, fallout which we very well know and so there's a
1: lot that goes with insulin resistance too right like mm -hmm. you get um, you get the crashes after you eat like the intense crashes Mm -hmm. Um, if you don't regulate your diet or if you don't work on kind of minimizing the insensitivity that your body has to insulin it'll start impacting other um, your life and very in many other ways so you know We talk about these like grand scheme picture of health benefits, but these incremental changes that we will see if we consistently keep working out, will start making um, our lives a little bit easier. Like particularly like, for example, for me, um, I have PCOS and one of the problems with PCOS is insulin resistance. And the way to improve that is by actually going to the gym and gaining some muscle mass. Um, which of course comes with the factor of diet and everything else and everything else. But, you know, improving insulin sensitivity allows you to not worry if you eat too much that you're going to crash and burn and not be able to do anything afterwards. So, um, yeah, okay, great. We we get to see the health, like we're working out to see the health benefits that are going to impact us in the future. But it's also good to remember that there are health benefits that are almost immediate or that won't take too long for you to see it, because it's easy to give up, right? Like, you'll keep doing it, you'll keep doing it, you won't see the results you want. And then you're going to be like, Oh, why am I doing this? Or like, you'll lose motivation to do this. But Mm -hmm. understanding that even though we do have a multitude of health benefits that will help us when we get older, there are those health benefits that we can see improvements on as we are starting to work out or in a few weeks afterwards.
0: And this is um, especially important when we talk about older populations, right? Um, Because one of the misconceptions is that as we get older, we are less able to do physical activity. Now, yes, we do have right the natural sarcopenia that can develop as we get older. We might not be as strong as we were because we lose muscle mass. We might develop things like arthritis um, or being less mobile than we used to be because of degenerative joint disease, which is going to happen in pretty much everybody that walks this earth, right? As we get older. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing that has been shown consistently is that engaging in physical activity, including resistance training, can, if not totally avoid the development of those conditions, it can significantly slow that process, right? And so essentially being more physically active, um, contrary to what the prior belief used to be, is that, right? Because everybody used to think, oh, you would get injured or you you know, wear out your, your cartilage and your, um, connective tissue, right. And your various joints. And that would lead to arthritis, um, or you would sort of wear yourself out and become tired and too tired to work out later. But no, we now know that by engaging in this physical activity, we actually are more able to do these things in the future. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, when we are 50, 60, 70, 80 years of age, Um, If we were working out all of that time, right, and doing this physical activity, including resistance training, we will probably be more able to do these things. And if not those things, at the minimum, be able to carry out our activities of daily living. Right. And those activities being cooking, cleaning, dressing oneself, um, taking care of day to day affairs around their home and in their community. Right. We know that individuals that are more active are able to do these things. So even if you can't bench press, right, you know, 250 pounds when you're 60, 70 uh, years of age, you would still be able to go out and, and get your paper. You would still be able to cook and clean your house, bathe yourself um, and probably require less assistance from um, other individuals uh, because, right, you are physically active in your younger younger years. So this is an investment, um, not only up front, right, we can see these short term benefits, boost in our metabolisms, increase in muscle mass, um, all the aesthetic benefits, right, that can come with that, the boost in self-esteem and mental health that can come from that. But long term, when we talk about down the line, we decrease the development of chronic diseases, um, such as, right, that um, dyslipidemia, as we said, the decreased risk of developing diabetes, lower blood pressures, right? So hypertension being a major risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Um, There is a ton of evidence showing that not only does um, cardiorespiratory fitness play a big part in reducing blood pressure, but resistance training as well can help reduce blood pressure um, in the end. And and all of this really improving long-term health outcomes um, when we look at, everything as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so how does, how do we get this done? Right. Cause that's the, the last big question. Um, I think that's one thing we need to touch upon before we wrap up is how do we make this happen? Well, there are some guidelines, thankfully, and this comes from the American college of sports medicine, their recommendations for resistance training. The fortunate thing is that it's not a lot, right? When we look at it, um, at the recommendations, and we compare that to what we think of traditionally as working out, quote-unquote, I think it's actually pretty modest as far as their recommendations, yeah. right? Um, you care to take that, read? Sure, yeah. Um, you can perform 8 to 10 multi-joint exercises
2: that address each of the major muscle groups, being the chest, shoulders, back, abdomen, arms, hips, legs, um, so pull-ups, push-ups, if you're looking at body weight exercises, uh, pull-ups, push-ups, sit it, uh, sit-ups, squats, cherry pickers, planks, all that good stuff. Um, and the frequency for that, train each major muscle group two or three non-consecutive days per week. Uh, make sure to give it some time off between those, those sessions. Uh, perform two to four sets of resistance training for each major muscle group. Um, and use a resistance that can be performed for 8 to 12 repetitions. And during those repetitions, it's important to uh, have good form and perform each repetition in a controlled manner through the full range of motion, uh, exhaling during lifting actions and inhaling during lowering actions. Uh, I would even argue in addition to this, because this is all the recommendations from the American College of Sports Medicine for resistance training, uh, I would even add a little addition to that, and that would be to keep track of all your repetitions and what exercises you do. Uh, because I know for myself, my brain inherently wants to give up. So if I'm not counting, I can do maybe like eight pull ups. But if I know I need to reach those 10 reps, that's what pushes me to do those last two. Same with, say, wall sits. Uh, if I'm counting in my brain, I'm going to do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, but if I have a timer, it's going to push me to get that full one minute mm. or however long I'm doing. Um, and not just that, but recording all those reps and all those those sets and stuff, uh, you will have more of like a feeling of uh, working out and progression, I would say. Because uh, you can see you know, how many reps did I, how many pull-ups was I able to do a month ago? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, look at that. I can do a few more now. I feel like I'm getting a lot stronger. Um, so I'd say keeping track of all that stuff is just as important as doing it.
0: Mm. I like that, that tip about the tracking um, because I agree with you that you can get lost in the sauce sometimes and not really yeah. understand what's happening or where you're going or seeing those incremental uh, improvements, right? Maybe you did more reps, like you said, or even just lifted a heavier weight. Um, There are activity trackers out there, including on fitness devices, but even apps that you can put on your phone and sort of, right, put in what you've been doing. Um, It's
1: nice seeing that graph steadily go up as you start getting better at exercises and you start um, improving your health.
0: Yes, because that's one thing that, that really motivated me, right? Once I started my my running and, and was really focused on my, um, cardio and aerobic fitness. Um, I noticed on my watch, right. That my fitness was going up. My times were going down, right. Week after week, I was getting faster. Um, so my VO two max going up, I don't know how true it is or how accurate it is, but it was nice to see it. Like y'all, I know it's going up because I feel it going, I'm running faster. Mm-hmm. Right. And became more motivated, um, from that looking at the number of miles, right. My goal This year was 600 miles for the year, and seeing that I've already surpassed that, like that's motivating as hell, man. I'm ready to go for a a thousand next year, you know. So that's um, the thing, and it takes it takes time to see this, and we're not going to start off right away, right? Sort of um, where we want to be, but seeing that gradual. This isn't isn't
2: Forrest Gump where he just starts running and then he can just run across the entire country without
0: stopping. You got to work up to that. But um, we also got some tips and this is from Amy Roberts she is a uh, fitness trainer and actually wrote some articles or writes a lot of articles for the New York Times about fitness uh, advice and this was actually an article from 2018 about how to start a resistance training routine right and one of the things that she advocates is using multiple muscle groups at once right so kind of like compounding your exercises so it as opposed to doing, let's say, a biceps curl where you're taking a dumbbell or some other mm-hmm. heavy weight or item and sort of just, you know, uh, doing a curl or or flexing your arm and bringing it to your chest, doing something like a row, right, requires movement of both the elbow and the shoulder and engages more muscles of the back and arms as opposed to just focusing on that isolated biceps. So trying to do these compounded exercises, you can hit more muscle groups at one time, right, um, and see more improvements. Um, Some basic multi-joint exercises, um, which you might have seen, things like the squat or lunge, step-ups, or even deadlifts for the lower body um, can be good. Um, And then when we talk about the upper body, the row, the chest press, shoulder press, um, the lat pull-downs for the upper body, those things can be pretty useful as well. Also, she recommends keeping up the intensity, right? Moderate or high intensity is recommended um, because this is really what gets the best results. Remember, you want to keep it somewhat challenging. And so keeping that intensity up and that could be either through more weight or more reps, right? So if you're using a lower weight, um, you might want to do more repetitions. If you're doing a higher weight, you might want to bring down those repetitions. But it should be something that is um, challenging after 8 to 10 reps, of the, um, exercise and put together a program. You want to warm up your muscles before diving into your chest, uh, session. And you also want to include both pushes and pulls, right? So pushes moving a load away from your body pulls, bringing a load toward your body. Um, and this will help avoid muscle imbalances throughout your body. And Also, you want to vary the directions in which you move. There are different planes of movement, um, the sagittal or front to back movement, frontal or side to side. And then there's transverse, which is like a rotation or twisting motion. And so, um, doing things like lateral or side lunges, right. Um, or side step-ups instead of just the usual front to back ones, this will help you achieve more balance throughout your body. Um, Also, it also is mentioned to cool down once you're through with your workouts. You want to, just as you rev your heart rate up in conducting this exercise, you want to bring our heart rate down gradually. Um, And this helps with recovery and getting you ready for the next workout. Um, And then one thing that Reed mentioned too is, right, getting that rest in between. And I think it's really awesome that these recommendations talk about two to three non-consecutive days. So literally, they're saying in the guidelines... To rest, right? Let your body recuperate. And one thing that we can be mindful of and just be happy and grateful for is that from that activity, that day of rest, yeah, you're resting, but you're still metabolically active, right? We said that muscle, right? That that micro trauma that you induced from working out, your muscles are still working. They're still working, yep. they're still consuming fuel, and you're still burning those calories, even though your workout was done yesterday, right? Um, or even two days ago, Um, they said up to 72 hours, you might still be having sort of this residual increase boost in your metabolism resulted from that. So that right there is just proof in the pudding um, that this is something that we really need to incorporate into our routines. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to do, I think I'm going to work out right after this, actually. Um, Now that we talked about this, I'm hyped and want to get my muscles you know, going again, especially after that shot, man, I was out of commission for the last like day and a half, but I think I'm, I'm up to the challenge now.
1: There is like the thing, like you don't really, like if you're just starting out, um, you don't really need a gym. You can just use resistance yeah, yep. bands, your body weight, because the last thing you want is to like go to the gym, start pumping iron and you accidentally hurt yourself yeah. because you decided to be like, That's true. What was the guy's name? Forrest Gump? Is that who you mentioned? Yeah, yeah. like you yes. decided to be like that guy. No, don't. That's that's not that mm-hmm. great. <laughs> then you're just being counterproductive. Um, yes. But it's just because we all live very busy lives, so it might be difficult to first adjust to it. So by starting out with maybe resistance bands, at home workouts. YouTube has a lot of great workouts that you can do yeah. at home. Um, and then from there, if you if you really want to go pump some iron, you can find a local gym or you can join Parks and Recs of New York City for free
0: For free and
1: join their gyms because they do have gyms as well.
0: Facts. And calisthenics, we got to throw that in there. Push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, just get for it sure. in any any which way you can, just get it in, ladies and gentlemen. But that's our message for uh, tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for tuning in and I want to uh, thank my colleagues, reed and anastasia Um, also want to send a shout out to the rest of our team Giorgio, michael um, ashley we shout you all out ben and ladies and gentlemen as always this show is dedicated to the memory of miss gloria thomas harlem take care of yourself